Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Uh, I have been inspired, again, as always, I am inspired as, as I study the book of Acts, uh, because it is truly the blueprint for what the church is supposed to be. And uh, how many understand tonight that it's, it's easy to stray off of the instructions? Uh, almost any gadget that you buy these days has, uh, it used to be that you would get a big VCR booklet full of uh, uh, language in other, uh, uh, instructions in other languages, very, very hard to follow the instructions, right? And now, uh, these days, uh, when, you, when you buy a, a gadget, you get a phone or a computer, you get almost nothing in the way of instruction manual booklets, uh, inserts, you almost get nothing. Uh, but they want you to go online and they want you to follow the instructions. And, and how many understand that, that that can be difficult? So in my line of work, what I do for a living is I help old ladies with their computers. Uh, and and old, old guys too. And uh, if it wasn't for old ladies who didn't know how to computer, uh, I would be out of the job. Uh, but thank God for little old ladies who don't know how to use computers because, uh, because what, what's very difficult in life is learning how to follow instructions. In church, aren't you glad tonight that we have a book of instructions for anyone who would dare to pay attention and study this book of instructions? Excuse me, I made a mess down here. For anyone who would dare to follow those instructions, we would see incredible things. The truth is tonight, if we want to see what they saw in the early church, does anybody want to see what they saw? Do you know what they saw in the book of Acts? They saw thousands of people getting saved from every race, color, uh, tribe, and, and creed. They saw miracles, signs, and wonders on a daily basis. They saw people getting saved and added to the church on a daily basis. Am I the only one who wants to see that? Am I the only one who wants to see beggars on the side of the road become disciples? Am I the only one tonight? Is there still possibility that the church can make an impact in our world today? Am I the only one tired of seeing the church laying in the gutter of the world, making no difference and no impact on the culture around us? I'm tired of the church making no difference in our culture, in our world, in our city. See, the book of Acts church is our instruction manual because that church truly shook the world. The things that they did, the things that they saw, the miracles that they experienced, the power of God that moved through them, can I get a witness tonight that it's still available to us here in 2020? Because God has not changed. Has He? Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, forever. 
If that is the same God in the book of Acts as the one that we have today, then why are we not seeing what they saw? I'll tell you why. Because if we want to see the things that they saw, we must be willing to do the things that they did. And in, wherever a church will take those things seriously, we will see the things that they saw. One of the things that they saw is in our scripture. They saw a prisoner being set free. Some of you were part of our Bible in Brew Bible study this morning, and if you did, you're gonna get, you already have a preview of what I'm going to preach on tonight. The prisoner being set free. There was a famous uh, magician named Harry Houdini. Uh, he was not just a, a magician, but an escape artist. And uh, he issued a challenge wherever he went. To every city that he visited, he issued a challenge to the local police department. He said, you lock me in any jail cell and I can set myself free within 30 minutes. And always he kept his promise. Always he challenged the local deputies. And within a few uh, short moments, he would be free from those chains. He always kept his promise except for one time something went wrong. Houdini entered the jail in his street clothes. The heavy metal doors clanged shut behind him. And he took from his belt a concealed piece of metal that was strong and flexible, and he set to work immediately. But something was unusual about this particular lock. For 30 minutes, he worked on it, he worked on it, and he got nowhere. After an hour passed by, he had still not opened the door that he was normally so easily able to open. By the time an hour had passed, he was bathed in sweat, panting in exasperation, but he still could not pick the lock. And finally, after two full hours, Harry Houdini collapsed in frustration and failure against a door he could not unlock. But when he fell against the door, it swung wide open. The secret that the deputy pulled on him was that it was never locked in the first place. But the problem with Harry and the problem with so many of us is that the lock was locked in his mind. And that was all it took to keep him from pressing open the door and walking out of the jail cell. I want to talk to you tonight about when the answer to your prayer is knocking at your door. We're going to see in our scripture a story about Peter as he is imprisoned. And an incredible story of how the church prayed to see him get set free, but how they did not have the faith to receive him. Receive him. I want to ask you to lock your mind in with me tonight in Acts chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. He killed James, the brother of John. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he seized Peter also. Uh, verse 4, when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but, everybody say, but? But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. 
And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains. Between the soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood behind him, or stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. He struck Peter on the side, arise quickly, and his, and his chains fell off of his hands. And the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And he did, and said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him, and he did not know that what was done by the angel was real because he thought he was seeing a vision. Let's skip down to verse, uh, to verse 13. So Peter finds himself in the place where they were gathered praying. Verse 13, And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but instead ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel. Of course, it's just a ghost. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. This is a message I've titled, when the answer to your prayer is knocking at your door. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we thank you for the spirit of the living God. We thank you for your word, which inspires, Lord, and encourages. I'm praying, God, that your people would hear this word and God would step in. God would follow the instructions that you've already laid out for us. God, that we can live and make an impact in our lives, in our culture, in the time that we are living. And we thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' name. God's people would say, amen. So let's talk, first of all, about souls in prison. This is a very turbulent time that we are reading about in our scripture, as is we are in a turbulent time here in the year 2020. Who imagined that 2020 could have turned out the way that it actually did? It's stranger than fiction, isn't it? Who could have come up with the, uh, with the murder hornet? Who could have come up with the coronavirus? Who could have come up with, uh, with, the, uh, with the, the turbulent uh, protests and riots and the difficulties that we are facing. You know, just six months ago, it seemed we were smooth sailing, man. And yet, here we are in a very turbulent time. Listen, turbulent times come to us all, whether it is on a cultural level, as we are seeing now, or whether it's on a personal level. Our, sometimes marriages will go through turbulent times. Families will go through turbulent times, and certainly we are reading about a very turbulent time in the history of the first church there in Jerusalem. Now, you would think, you would think that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, went to be with the Father, sent back the Holy Spirit to empower the church. You would think that God would supernaturally clear the path for his new church to begin to prosper, right? You would think like, man, God, you done did it all. You you saved us, you healed us, you filled us with the Holy Ghost, you gave us the mandate, the mission to go forward, so now we're not going to have any problems, are we? Thank you, Jesus. We're going to go forward, and we are going to win the world for Jesus. The problem was, That from the very inception of the Christian church, 
they experience intense persecution. Intense persecution. That's what we're reading about in our scripture. King Herod saw that it pleased the Jewish leaders. There is a political drama playing out behind the scenes here. King Herod, who is the king of Jerusalem, the Roman king of Jerusalem, that he sees how, how, that he's gaining favor from the earthly authorities that are in place, that if, if he stretches out his hand and he kills this particular Christian, oh, that it gives him more favor over here from the Jews and he can warm himself up and get cozy and get some points from the Jewish people. So he says to himself, hey, I can do this again. Verse 4, he arrested Peter and he is intending to keep him uh, during the Passover. So we know that this is exactly one year after Jesus went to the cross. That was also Passover. So Peter was therefore kept in prison. But what we see behind all of this, beyond just the, the circumstances of the text itself, we also have a very perfect picture, a metaphor of the sinful world around us. Peter displays for us what it's like for a soul who is in prison. How many understand tonight that you don't have to be locked behind bars to be a prisoner? You don't have to be in a pair of handcuffs to be locked up. Now, there are people who are walking free, that they are even maybe going to work, maybe even have some money in the bank, and yet they are bound like a dog to their sins. How many understand that tonight? The, whole, the soul who sins shall die. That's what the Bible says. He who sins becomes a slave to sin. This is a spiritual prison. It is possible tonight even to come to a Christian church. It is possible even to come to a Pentecostal Christian church filled with the Holy Spirit. And still, how many understand it's possible to be bound, bound in the chains of bondages. You don't have to be behind bars. You don't have to have handcuffs. You don't have to be behind locked doors like Harry Houdini. All you need tonight is to give in to sin. It is a prison of actions. How many understand that those without Christ Many of us, all of us, before we were believers, we lived in a spiritual prison. We lived in a, in a constant state of being bound to our sin. We would go around in a circle searching for happiness, searching for fulfillment, searching, maybe if I get that job, maybe if I date that girl, maybe if I get that car, maybe it'll fulfill me. And every time, the world leaves us high and dry, empty, unfulfilled, bound in our sins. Maybe if I just drink that drink, maybe if I just take that pill, maybe if I just sleep with that person, it'll make me feel better. How many understand the world doesn't have the answer? Does not have the key to unlock the bars that keep us bound. Again and again, this world, our sins, the enemy of our soul, these things do nothing but bring more pain and more bondage. John 8, verse 34, Jesus said, I say to you truly, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. 
See, sin, somebody described sin as when you reach out and you grab something that you know you're not supposed to be doing, right? The problem with sin is that when you reach out and grab it, something else reaches up and grabs onto you. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will cause you to say things you don't want to say. That's because when you sin, you become a slave to your sin. We are dealing now in our culture with the consequences of generational racism. This done should have been fixed 100 years ago. Right? But because it is something that is passed on from one generation... See, people are not born racist. (laughs) It has to be taught through generations. It has to be something you receive from somebody else. Just like sin is something we pass on. Sin is something we pass on to our children. Bigotry, prejudice... It makes us a slave, doesn't it? Proverbs 5.22 His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. See, Peter's not the only one who knows what it's like to be in prison. Our sins can make us a slave. So then it goes to say, verse 6, When Herod was about to bring him out that night, that night Peter was sleeping and bound with two chains between two soldiers, And the guards before the door were keeping the prisoners. Now think about Peter in this situation. He's on the ground. He's got two chains, right? No doubt the chains are bolted to the wall. If that's not enough to keep him in place, now he's got two guards watching him, one on the right and the left, all night long. Peter, dangerous guy, man. Well, this was the same guy who pulled out the sword and cut off an ear, right? So they're watching him. They got their eye on this. Not only the two chains, they've got the two guards. And then they've got another pair of guards at the door watching him. Chances are slim to none here, right? I was so sad to see that, man, Chuck Norris went to be with the Lord. Yeah, died of COVID-19, man. Couldn't believe it. I know, I know. Gosh. Uh, but since people were already making Chuck Norris jokes that, that uh, COVID-19 may have got Chuck Norris, but he came back and whipped its butt. But, uh, but yeah, even Chuck Norris could not have got out of this situation. As he's chained to the wall, four guards watching over him. Hopeless situation. Not only that, but he's asleep. Right? You're, if you're going to make a move to try to escape, you're not going to be taking a nap. So here's Peter taking a nap, chained to the wall, two guards, four guards, and it seems so impossible, doesn't it? It seems like why should we even hope to get out of the door? Listen, this is, this is where many people are. This is the way that you see many people in their sins. Are you still with me tonight? You look at some people and you think to yourself, there is no way on God's green earth that they could ever get saved. We see some people that, that the things that they're involved with, the way that they speak, the, the attitudes of their heart, and we think, no possible way. It's like, it's like they're asleep, chained to the wall with four guards watching over them. He's not in any position to get free. It's hopeless. And yet, and yet, there is a factor that changes things. Verse 5, Peter was kept in prison, but 
constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Prayer. Prayer is the factor that begins to change situations. I'm so grateful. Miss Teresa last night spoke up very quickly. She said, if we're going to see anything change, it's because people are going to be praying and fasting. Praying and fasting. It starts with the church. The church in this story, they began to pray for the Apostle Peter. They got on their knees and they said, God, it's hopeless, but we have hope in you. God, this is impossible, but all things are possible with you. See, the, the, the prayer that changes the world is the prayer of faith. What do you do about people that you see no hope for? What about people that are on the complete opposite end of the spectrum from you? And you think that God would never, ever, that, that there's no possible way that they would even want prayer. Can I tell you that the beginning of every lost soul coming to Christ is prayer. Somewhere along the line, there was a praying grandmother who prayed for some stubborn young boy and said, God, you better watch over this boy because he's crazy. God, you better send somebody to preach to this boy. You understand tonight that the reason that you are saved is not just because God loves you and Jesus died for you, but somewhere along the way, there was somebody who prayed for you. There was somebody who thought to themselves, you know, God, this person really needs to be set free from those chains. See, this is what the church is called to do. If we're going to make impact, if we're going to change the world, this is where it starts. Do you see, what about brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, people in the church, brothers and sisters here? What about you see people struggling with sin? It's easy to discount people, isn't it? It's easy to say they'll never achieve. Easy to say, oh, they're they're never going to change. Well, they won't if you don't pray for them. Who are you praying for tonight? See, without prayer... Most people will remain slaves and will not experience freedom. What if the church decided to have uh, a feast that night instead of a prayer meeting? And Peter would have been bound, wouldn't he? Probably would have gone to his death. But thank God they cried out to God. They said, Lord, set this man free. This is exactly the purpose that Jesus came to the earth. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus quoting from Isaiah, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty. Say liberty. Liberty Liberty to those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Colossians 1.13, Jesus, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. See, this is one of the most important things that Christ did for you is that He set you free. If you are saved here in this place, that Jesus Christ has opened the prison doors. 
We pray for that. God, open the prison doors of our spiritual lives. And this, this prayer that the church prayed for the Apostle Peter, it begins to be answered. Verse 7, it says, An angel of the Lord stood by him, a light shone in the prison. He struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. So much symbolism here that you have to catch. Don't miss it tonight. Number one, the Bible said a light was shining. A light that was shining. The Apostle John speaks so much about light. The light of revelation. The light of life was with men. The light which is the symbolic of the truth. The truth. Jesus, the way, the life, and the truth. See, the truth will set you free. The light shines down into the prison. That In a moment of time, the dark deep, desperate place, and the lights begin to shine. See, this is how people begin to get set free, right? They get a revelation of truth. They get a revelation like that prodigal son as he's uh, sipping the pig slop. And he comes to himself, what am I doing? Where am I? He came to himself and said, oh, even the servants in my father's house were getting better than this. A light shined in his mind. This is what you need to pray for. For your friends, for your loved ones, for those who are bound in bondage, in sin, in wickedness. You and I need to pray, God, shine the light of truth. The Bible says the angel comes, and <laughs> what's so funny to me about this is the angel doesn't like, you know, gently pick him up. No, it says he struck him. Pow! Struck him on the side. Get up, Peter. Wake up. Time to move, buddy. It's like, boom, come on. See, salvation for the one being set free is not always the most comfortable thing, is it? Revelation is not always the easy way. Not the most comfortable thing. Our conversation last night was not always the easy and comfortable things. You know, it can be a difficult situation to talk through these things. But you know what? Sometimes we need that. We need the light of truth to shine into our minds so that we can be set free. The angel strikes Peter. Bam! Get up, Peter! Let's go! Quickly. Quickly. Quickly, Peter. You know, if the angel strikes you on the side and says, hurry up, let's go, Peter doesn't have to say, uh, let me pray about this first. Uh, I'm considering, I'm considering your, your proposal. God, what would you have me do? <laughs> Some people mask their disobedience with spiritual framework, saying, oh God, what would you have me do? When really what God is calling for is quick obedience. How many understand that? I heard a story about a guy named John. John, speaking to his physician, cried out. He said, I might not live a week. The doctor says, of course you may not, John, but very likely you will. The medicine is in your house. It will keep. And the medicine, uh, and if you find yourself feeling worse, you could just take some medicine. I will not charge you anything for it. And if you feel worse tomorrow, you might begin even then. But he says, but I might be dead tomorrow. 
when would you propose to begin your medicine then, John? Doctor says, well, sir, I hoped you would, you would tell me to begin today. Then begin today by all means, the doctor said. I am glad to see how you realize it is foolish to put off taking this medicine. You see what it is? If you're sick and the medicine's there, you could continue to be sick for a while, or you could take the medicine and feel better. That's what obedience is. Obedience is our decision. God, I want to obey you. God, I want to follow you. God, I want to get out of this prison cell, so I'm going to go forward and follow you into my destiny. The Bible says that the chains fell off of him. Isn't that amazing? They didn't need a jackhammer. They didn't need a key. Peter just stands up to go, and the chains just fall off of his hands. That's a miracle, right? You don't have to have a Pentecostal preacher sweating and spitting to have the chains fall off, right? Sometimes we, we get that idea that, oh, if I just, yeah, if I get that preacher face on, and if I, oh, if I get a little more sweat, and if I get like on TBN, man, oh, yeah, we're going to pray. And, and God's the one who makes the chains fall off anyway. Peter's chains fell off by God's power. And in the same way, can I remind you that your sins, the bondage of your sins, will never be defeated by the campaign of self-discipline. God does require obedience, but we don't pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps and say, I'm going to do better. It helps when we set our will to do things, but I'm telling you, some, some chains can only be broken by God. Verse 8, the angel said to him, gird yourself, tie on your sandals, and he did, put on your garment and follow me. Isn't it amazing that the angel is, he's like asking him, come on, Peter, let's go, get yourself together, do your hair, put your eyebrows on, Peter, let's go. It's, he asked him to do a few things. See, Peter, the chains had already fallen off of him, right? The door is open, the guards are not a part, but he has to do a few things to get out of there. Oh, I want to tell you, beloved, this is, this is good preaching. God will set you free, but He will call on you to do a few steps of obedience to get out of your sin. He will call on you and I to work together with Him. Am I saying this is works-based salvation? Of course not. Without God, he'd still be chained to the wall. But with God's power, the miracles are done. Now it's Peter's turn. See, faith and works, are you take a step of faith, you take a step of works, obedience. And together, in tandem, this is what provides the salvation for Peter to walk out of this prison cell. And it's going to be the same for all of us. It's going to be the same. For when souls begin to get saved in the potter's house, Christian church, when we are packed with new believers, it's going to be the same. we got to show people, yes, you have to believe God for freedom, but you also have to take a step of obedience. You have to continue to step forward with God. Faith, and then works, and then works, and then faith. And together, we will see God do incredible miracles. Now this is the whole point 
of the message tonight. What happens next? God does this amazing miracle to set Peter free. He walks out of a prison cell. God has done a miracle. He has obeyed God and followed some directions to get out of that place. But then in verse 12, it says that when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Remember, this is the same prayer meeting that they are praying, Oh God, set Peter free. Lord, bring him out of that prison cell. Oh, we bind those chains, Lord. Oh, devil, you set him free. Right, this is the prayer meeting they're having all night. (laughs) God, we want you to set him free. And if they would have only peeked out of the window, they would have seen that God had already answered their prayers. It says that Peter knocked at the door of the gate. One of the girls, the one, she should have been praying, but she wasn't. But she came out, and she answered the, the knock. And it's Peter. He says, let me in, Rhoda. Let me in. But it says that she, she recognized his voice, verse 14. But she was so glad, she was so happy, ah, she didn't open the gate. He ran back inside. What are you doing, Rhoda? He's out there standing in the cold. Oh, don't worry about me. I'll just stay out here in the cold. And Rhoda goes back. And says, Guess what, everybody? Peter's here. But the door is still locked. They didn't believe her. Verse 15, they said to her, Rhoda, you crazy girl. You are beside yourself. No, it's really him. Oh, she must be going crazy. They said, maybe it's his angel. (laughs) Maybe, oh, this would be a sad story. Oh, maybe Peter died and now he's come to haunt us. But the irony of this story is there they are on their hands and knees praying, God, please set Peter free. And he's outside knocking on the door. Let me in. I'm already free. Please receive me. What this is tonight, they have enough faith to pray, but they don't have enough faith to receive the answer to their prayer. Could it be possible tonight that you are praying for something and you're earnest you're, you're, you're persistent in your prayer. Oh, God. Right? Could it be tonight that you are pleading with the Lord and God is saying, the answer is right outside your door. Just open your eyes. Just peek out the window. Peter, it says in verse 16, continued knocking. And when they opened the door, they saw him. They were astonished. The question that you have to ask, Why were they so astonished? If they believed God to answer their prayer, they should have said, all right, Peter, come on in, buddy. It's the answer to our prayers. That's exactly what I was praying for. And yet, when the miracle happens, it blows them away. I mentioned this morning, it reminds me of the story of this building that we are sitting in right now. 
that there are people in this room who prayed earnestly that the door would be open, that we could get into this building. And oh me of little faith, when it happened, I was just as astonished. I said, God, really? God, you answered our prayers? What? The church needs to pray. Why were they so astonished? I believe the, the major problem of that church and our church and many churches today is that they were so focused inward on their prayer meeting that they didn't think to look outside and see the answer to their prayer. See, the church gets into dangerous territory when we are focused inwardly and not outwardly. Yes, we need to gather together to pray. Uh, stay tuned. I want, to, I want to organize a prayer campaign for our current situation that we are in. Yes, we need to pray. But I believe that the church of the book of Acts, as well as the church of Virginia Beach, needs to pray with one eye out the window, waiting for Peter to come walking down the street as an answer to their prayer. If we are focused, so focused on the inward affairs of our congregation, inward affairs of our church, guess what? We forget about the rest of the world and the prayers that God is answering right outside our door. We forget that we are on a road right here that leads back into a neighborhood filled with houses of people, families, marriages, children that are broken, in bondage, still in prison cells. They're right around the corner of our church. See, what we have to do tonight, I believe, we have to renew the outward vision, the outward focus of what the church is called to do and supposed to be. The church is always called to go out beyond its comfort zones. Don't be so astonished when God begins to answer our prayers for salvation, for new converts. So, let me close with this final thought. And that is, here we are in 2020, struggling with, a, with an issue that we, we talked about last night. So today, I, I found myself uh, wondering what it was like. Some of our uh, brothers and sisters here speaking about what it was like back in the 60s and 70s when the campaign for civil rights was raging in our country. And I began to think again about the iconic speech that was given by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in 1963. And so I looked it up. It's on YouTube. Powerful speech. Rocked the world. And one of the things he said in that speech was that there was a check that was written in our founding era. The documents that founded our nation, the uh, Declaration of Independence and our Constitution, wrote a check that guaranteed freedom to our citizens. But that, for some, that check had not yet been cashed. You really ought to go back and watch that speech. Powerful. And he uh, made a statement that he hoped that we would finally be able to cash that check for all of our citizens. And that black people and white people, just the same, would be able 
to experience equal rights and equal justice. That all men are created equal, as it says in our founding documents. That was the check that was written, but had not yet been cashed. And maybe, maybe in, the, in that time era, in that 50 years ago, that that's, that time has passed, and maybe that that check was attempted. We took it to the bank, and maybe it was partially paid. But it's not fully there yet. We still have some work to do. I was pleased to see that uh, the governor of our commonwealth, um, I don't uh, necessarily agree with a lot that he does, but one thing that I did see is that he instituted Juneteenth as a state holiday. And I said, how come that hasn't been done already? Juneteenth is a powerful reminder. It's the, the, the day that the, the news of the Emancipation Proclamation finally made it to the state of Texas. It's been an official holiday in Texas since 1980. And yet, why are we not celebrating this in Virginia until now? Because that check continues to be cashed. Why am I mentioning that now? The answer to our prayers is knocking on the door. But we must finally receive it. This is true when it comes to souls that are being saved, being set free from bondage and sin. This is true in our culture right now. And I want to ask you to join me on this Friday to celebrate in Virginia for the first time as an official holiday, Juneteenth something we should all celebrate. And don't be so astonished when God does the very miracle that you've been praying for. Don't be so astonished. Because that's what God does. He is a miracle worker. Do you believe that tonight? Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. As we bring this service to a close tonight, and as God begins to challenge us in our personal lives, the things that are happening around us, I am fully confident tonight that God is faithful and capable to speak to us right where we are. The Bible very clearly says tonight that every person here in this place, every person is loved by God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That is a check that was written by God. A check that will result in freedom. A check that will result in being set free from sin. But how many understand that not everybody cashes that check? Salvation is available for all but not all receive it. That's because tonight God is asking for us to humble ourselves, to repent of our sins, and to turn to Him in faith. Maybe tonight, as I was describing Peter languishing in that prison cell, maybe you caught a glimpse of yourself bound in sin, bondage, bound to a habit, bound to a particular set of ideas, bound in your mind, bound in your heart. 
Well, the power to, set, to be set free is here, right here at this altar tonight. And if you would cry out to God and say, Lord, save me. I'm a sinner. I need Jesus to set me free. If you would humble yourself and confess your sins, the Bible says there is more than enough of the blood of Jesus to cleanse you from every impurity, to break every chain every link of the chain that holds you bound tonight. That you can walk away from this service being set free by the blood of Jesus. No church can do that for you. No priest, no minister, no rabbi, no pastor. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, can break the chains of bondage in your life. Right now, I wonder if there's someone here. You say, yes, Please pray for me. I know I'm not right with God. And I know that I need salvation. I know that I need to be set free from the bondage of my sins. And if that's you, let me see your hand quickly tonight. Unsaved or backslidden, you need what I'm talking about right now. Let me see your hand. Maybe you were, you were at one time, you were right with God, but you have, you have gone back to the chains of your past. And you know it tonight. There's a Jonah here. There is a prodigal son here tonight or daughter and you know that you're not right with God but you can turn back to him he is faithful and just to forgive you if you will confess your sins if you will believe in the Lord Jesus is that you quickly here tonight let me pray with you unsaved or backslidden let me see your hand is that you God's reaching out to you by his love and mercy and you can feel your heart pounding in your chest it's his love reaching out to you right now, His Spirit reaching into your sinful heart and saying, come, follow me. Come on, get out of that prison cell, Peter. Maybe He's kicking you on the side a little bit. Rise up from your bondage. It's time to be saved. Is that you? Quickly, let me see your hand right now. Maybe on the live stream, you're watching right now. It's time for you to make a decision to follow Jesus. Let us know about that right now. Let me speak to the church. The church in the book of Acts, they had incredible faith to see Peter set free. Lord God, set our brother free from that prison cell. And as they are praying in that prayer meeting, if they would have only looked out the window, they would have seen that the answer to their prayers was knocking on their door. I wonder tonight how many answered prayers God has for His people right here in this house tonight. God has an answered prayer right outside your door tonight. God has an answered prayer. Don't be so astonished tonight. God wants to help you. He is not a God far off. He is not a deadbeat dad. He is a God that loves to give good gifts to His children tonight. And He is a God that wants to answer our prayers when they are prayed in faith and according to His will. Listen, God has prayers. God has answers to your prayers tonight. Sometimes it takes for us to stand up and look outside. God, have you already answered this prayer? I want to open this altar for prayer tonight. Or if, if you're uh, better to pray at your seat this evening. I want to encourage you right now. God's speaking to you about answers to your prayers. Maybe about people that are bound around you. Maybe about a bondage that still exists in your life tonight and God wants to set you free. 
See, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And God wants to set some people free, even here tonight. I want to ask you to join with me in prayer tonight as we open this altar. Uh, maybe you can turn around right there in your seat and you can pray to the God of miracles. You can pray to the God who has the power to see chains falling off of people who are bound in their sins. I want to ask you to join me in faith. God, make us a church that has impact on our community. Impact on our city. On God, make us a church that has impact in families and in marriages of people that are right around us. God, help us tonight. Let's pray while we sing the song of worship. Right now, one Right now, need to feel your peace. We believe power in your name. We will come every time we pray. We want to know the God of invisible. Let us see your fire fall down. We want to watch you move in miracles as you did them here right now. Right now, you're graceful like a flood. Yes, Lord. Right now, there's healing in the blood. And we believe power in your name. And what was dead can walk out of the grave. Let's stand and sing together tonight. Want to know the God of impossible. Let us see fall down we want to watch you oh in miracles in miracles as you did then here right oh right now oh right now yes lord yes right now we need you oh right now amen let's give the lord praise right now for his favor and his grace oh god we worship you we need you tonight god we thank you oh we praise you in this place hallelujah oh we thank you lord we give you glory we give you praise oh tonight i want to tell you there is so much power power in the name of jesus power in believing him pastor Eccles preached about the power of faith on sunday morning didn't he he preached this truth. See, true faith is persistent. We read in our Bible reading plan just yesterday, I think it was, about the prophet Elijah. And he knew that God was going to send the rain, right? He knew God was going to send the rain. So the Bible said that he got down on a seat and he put his face between his knees. I'm too fat to do that. He put his face between his knees and he prayed. 
right? And he says, he says to the servant, go, go look and see if there's any rain. Nope, sorry boss, no rain. So Elijah gave up. Is that what it says? Elijah did not give up. He went back to his place of prayer and he prayed again. And after the second time he prayed, he said, go, go take a look at the horizon, see if there's any rain showing up. No, boss, sorry. Second time, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time. Is there any rain coming? Clear skies. See, right about there is when most people say, forget about it. Right there on the time. Right about as God is about to answer his prayer. That's when, all, that's when many of us say, forget, it. forget this, not worth it. But he went back again. And on the seventh time that he prayed, they saw a cloud rising from the horizon. It says it was the size of a man's hand. A little teeny tiny. And he says, there it is. You better start running because that's going to turn into this rainstorm that brings relief to God's people. This is the thing we've been praying for for three long years. And right now, I see it with the eyes of faith. The answer to our prayers, beloved, could be knocking on our door tonight if we would have the faith to receive it. I want to encourage you to a persistent life of prayer. And don't give up when you don't see results. But keep praying. Jesus gave us the illustration of the woman who continued to pester the unjust judge. See, it's not good to have an unjust judge, is it? An unju- that means an unfair judge. Even an unfair judge would get so annoyed by this pestering woman that he says, fine, have your justice. Just leave me alone. But God is not an unjust judge, is he? He is a righteous judge, and if we will pester him, if we will come to him and say, Lord, we are people of faith. God, we're believing you for great things. God, he as a good father will give us good gifts. So I want to encourage you this week to do that, to believe God. Believe God with me for somebody. Believe God with me for, uh, for reforms in our culture that, are, that need to take place. Believe God with us tonight that we can be a church that makes an impact in our city and in our nation. And we're going to see God move. Amen. Are you with me tonight? Hallelujah. Let's give God praise once again. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. And we thank you tonight. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes, God, we worship you tonight. We serve a God that wants to set the captives free. So let's join him in that effort tonight. Let's close in prayer. Asking God's blessing as we go. We thank you for being here tonight and being a part of what God is doing. Let's ask God to help us as we go out from this place. Andre, uh, if you would close us off in prayer tonight. Amen. God bless you tonight. Make sure we're masked up on the way out. Thank you, guys.
We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.